We go to a sentencing in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The defendant is 18-year-old Brendan Wazinski, who's charged with impersonating a sheriff's deputy. Six months earlier, Wazinski was driving an unmarked car with a police siren when he pulled over a driver for speeding. Albuquerque police officer Danny Anzo came upon the scene and, thinking something off about the situation, decided to check it out. You gotta talk to her for a minute. Okay. I, I know, I'm under-equipped. Okay, do you have an ID with you? I mean, this is, this is all I got. I mean, like I said, I'm under-equipped. I'm under -equipped. I was just heading over there to the courthouse. To the courthouse for what? To get my crap. Okay. The wannabe cop sticks to his story. I know, it makes no sense. I caught him going 120 down I-40. The officer has Wazinski hang around while he checks on his story. While he waits for a response, Anzo casually chats with Wazinski. One officer to sort of another. And I'm not here to mess with you, man. It's just the thing is, yeah, he was speeding, dude. You could have called it in. And because if you get into shooting, you're, you're right. All right, man. I, I understand. All right. I, it, this, for starters, I know this looks really bad. Right. This looks really bad. Uh, this screams whacker. <laughs> How long you been on? About three years. Okay. I've been on for like 13 years. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but you need to be a little bit more careful, all right? Yes, so just do me a favor, hang tight for a second, okay? Yes, it sounds like the officer might be letting him go. Not so fast. Anzo requests a supervisor from the Bernalillo Sheriff's Office to come down to the scene. In the meantime, he puts Wazinski in the back of his cruiser do you have anything on you, man? Any weapons or anything? Okay. Um, that's fine. Just have a seat, all right? All right. It looks like this bizarre game of good cop, fake cop may be coming to an end. So Wazinski comes clean. Hey, talk real quick. Yeah, give me one second. What's up, man? All right. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. Okay. I'm not a cop. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to be. Where did you get honest. that badge from? I bought it offline. Offline. Okay. Do me a favor. Stay, stay in here, okay? For a second. I'm After discussing the strange situation with his sergeant, Anzo makes the next move. Back in my car. Hey, Brandon, step out of the vehicle for a second, man. Okay, face the vehicle. At this point right now, you are being under arrest. Before heading downtown, Wazinski sheds a few tears in the back seat. So I need you to lean back a little bit. Thank you. Can I please help my wife? I'll give you, um, we'll give, when we get to the substation, I'll give you, um, we'll give her a call. Okay? Wazinski's formally charged with impersonating an officer, a misdemeanor. And a second officer takes him off to jail. Yeah, buddy. Can't be pretending to be a cop. Yeah, I know. I'm stupid. Lesson learned, right? As they head downtown, the reality of the situation kicks in for this counterfeit cop. It's one hell of a thought to know that in about two minutes, I f my 
Now, as he stands before a very real judge, instead of fighting the charge, Wazinski pleads no contest. He's sentenced to one year of probation. The judge also rules he can't carry any firearms or handcuffs and must undergo a psychiatric evaluation. Is that do you not want any kind of reoffense on this kind of uh, case? Does that make sense? Yes, sir. But this sham sheriff story doesn't end there. Wazinski violates his probation by failing to get that psych evaluation. But he gets a break when the judge gives him an extra two weeks to complete the evaluation. When told of his extension, Wazinski presses his lock. I can try the best I can, Your Honor. I mean, I have honestly a lot going on right now, and it's, it's stressful. But I will try my hardest to get it done. Okay, so just to let you know, we all have a lot going on, and it is very stressful for everyone, but this is very important, and I'm not going to give you longer than that. Wazinski did eventually complete his evaluation and was able to avoid jail time. And hopefully his days of impersonating an officer are over. This looks really bad. Uh, this screams whacker. As for the driver Wazinski pulled over, he was, of course, free to go. Next, we go to the Miami-Dade courthouse, where Judge Catherine Poolers presiding over a bond hearing. The defendant, Calvin Lloyd Griffith, allegedly broke into a local school and stole an employee's car. Griffith was arrested and is here on charges of grand theft, burglary, and trespassing. He also violated his probation from a previous car theft. Calvin Lloyd Griffin Jr. on page 12. Good morning. Mr. Griffin is charged with burglary, petty theft, grand theft of a vehicle, and trespass. He's on probation. He's out on probation, Yana. Yeah, I'm on probation. I'm on paper. Okay. I'm off the beer anyway because I smoke weed and cocaine. So I smoke weed and cocaine. The court officials decide to cut Griffith's mic off to prevent him from talking over everyone. So the officer. Okay, you're Calvin Griffin. Mr. Center has the button pressed. Oh, okay. As Judge Pooler continues looking over the paperwork, Griffiths continues to try to get the attention of the judge. Okay, let's see. But with Judge Pooler unable to hear Griffith, he decides to try a different approach. Not impressed with Griffith's twerking abilities, the judge moves on with the case. State is requesting that your owner set the bond, but reset the case in division tomorrow because his actions violate his probation. Judge Pooler agrees with the state attorney and sets Griffith's bond at $18,500. And there's a stay-away order from Miami Edison Senior High. If you should get out, do not go back there. You're not a student anymore. Okay, thank you for coming in. As the judge moves on to the next, less entertaining defendant, Judge Pooler looks back fondly on her time with Calvin Griffin. I want the last guy to come back and teach us how to dance. <laughs> He's a pretty smooth guy. 
Next, we're in Newark, New Jersey, where Judge James Convery is overseeing a divorce hearing. On one side is Benjamin Taylor and his attorney, Yvette Ramos-Alvarez. And on the other is his soon-to-be ex-wife. To establish Taylor's total yearly income, a copy of his Social Security earnings statement has been requested by his wife's attorney. Now Ms. Kolsky comes back after everything was finished except for the Social Security earnings statements, which he doesn't have. He gets his Social Security every year indicating. The earnings statement. He gets his earnings statement. Okay. He gets it. He gets it every year. So she asked for it. Why didn't he provide it? He doesn't have it. He threw it away? I would presume he did. Oh, come on. As you can see, Judge Convery is not buying the dog ate my homework story. So he decides to do a quick courtroom poll to prove his point. Don't you get it? I get it. You get it? You get it? Everybody gets it. Social Security sends it to your home every year. Alvarez, however, disagrees based on her own experience. No, I don't get it. They sent it to my home four years ago. I haven't received it in the last three. This is the final moment before Judge Convery says something he'll regret. Well, when did you become an illegal alien? Judge? Alvarez is taken aback by the judge's comment. Not only is she of Hispanic descent, but she's also the former president of the Hispanic Bar Association of New Jersey. Judge, I am going to... That was a totally inappropriate comment. I didn't mean it. Uh, Listen to me. As Judge Convery tries to backpedal, Alvarez moves forward, right out the door. Then comes the awkward silence. Alvarez returned to the courtroom 10 minutes later, and Judge Convery apologized. But the damage had been done. Alvarez later filed a misconduct complaint against Judge Convery, which, along with other public complaints, led to a public reprimand by the New Jersey Supreme Court. Next, we're in family court in Las Vegas, Nevada. 26-year-old Monica Contreras is here to vacate a temporary restraining order filed against her by her estranged husband. The routine hearing lasts just a few minutes, and Contreras' two-year-old daughter joins her just off camera. So I'm just going to close the case out and dissolve the order. All right, thank you. Okay. But before Contreras is able to leave, courtroom marshal Ron Fox takes her to another room to perform a drug search while her daughter plays with hearing master Patricia Doninger on the bench. <laughs> Moments later, Contreras is back in the courtroom, but there's a problem. She begins telling the other courtroom marshal that she wasn't comfortable with how the drug search was performed. He was Where are you? I was getting a lot of Yeah. He said, can I just have you pull up your shirt and show me that there's no drugs in there. Still searching Contreras' purse, Marshal Fox doesn't like what he's hearing. Okay, so the store stands, handcuffed. Why would bring I her be in? Handcuffed? Why would I be arrested? Hold on. For what, sir? Hold on. Okay, why would I be arrested? 
Can you please tell Turn me? Turn around, put your hands behind Can your back. Can you please tell me? Turn around, put your because hands Because of false allegations made against the police officer, so. What? Making a false allegation against a police officer? In this context, that wouldn't even be a crime in Clark County. For what? Hearing Master Patricia Doninger turns her back on the situation. Please tell me. Can you please tell me? Then, without getting any further explanation of the charges, she asked to have Contreras' daughter removed from the courtroom. Can we do something with the little If you could call up Child Haven for me. Child Haven is the county's child protective services facility. In just a matter of minutes, Contreras went from appearing at a routine court hearing to getting arrested and now having her daughter taken away from her. You're saying it. Okay, turn around, I will arrest also have it. Okay, just Sounds like Contreras is going to recant her statement about the marshal's inappropriate handling of the drug search. Or maybe not. That's what happened. You, you, you put me in the room and you asked me to lift up my shirt without it without a witness. You asked me to lift you asked me to lift up my shirt without a witness. As she's handcuffed in front of her young daughter, Contreras singles out hearing master Doninger for seemingly ignoring her pleas for help. Contreras is taken to jail, formally charged with providing false information to a police officer and disturbing the peace. Her daughter's turned over to special services until the girl's father picked her up later that day. Two months after the incident, Contreras filed a complaint against Marshal Fox, claiming that in addition to improper protocol, the officer also groped her breast and buttocks during the drug search. An investigation by Clark County Internal Affairs would validate her claims. She was later awarded $200,000 in a court settlement. As for those responsible for the courtroom injustice, the perpetrator, Marshal Ron Fox, was fired immediately following the investigation. Marshal James Kenyon was later relieved of his duties, and hearing master Patricia Doninger was out two years later after the video went public. Next, we're down under for a hearing in Adelaide, Australia. Daniel Nicholson, a 35-year-old father of four, has been out on bail awaiting trial for weapons charges. 
Today he's in court to find out whether Magistrate Sue O'Connor will allow him to remain out on pretrial release. I revoke bail. I revoke bail. No, it is fine. Apparently surprised by the ruling, Nicholson turns to his attorney. What's going on, Pat? But before he gets an answer, Magistrate O'Connor shuts down the conversation. Take a seat. Take a seat. Miss, please, miss. Please, miss. I'll show you what face miss Just moments later, perhaps realizing he's about to be locked up, Nicholson decides to bail himself out of the situation. Inside what's known as the dock, Nicholson steps up onto a table and delivers a punch to one officer as he tries to restrain him. After slipping through their fingers, he's able to get one foot on top of the divider and launch himself onto a nearby table and then into the arms of this officer. With the courtroom descending into chaos, a woman makes a plea on Nicholson's behalf. But as he continues to push his way toward the door, more officers pile on before he can make it there. Daniel Nicholson later pleaded guilty to attempting to escape custody two counts of recklessly causing harm to a prescribed emergency worker. He admitted to being under the influence of crystal meth at the time, saying he was just, quote, freaked out. Nicholson was sentenced to 21 months in prison with parole eligibility after one year. As for the original weapons charge, he pled guilty and was ordered to pay a $320 fine. What's going on, Pat? Next, we head to a virtual bond hearing in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Judge Tabitha Blackman presiding. Demetrius Lewis on page 26. The defendant is Demetrius Lewis, who appears remotely. How you doing? How you doing? All right, I'm good, sir. How are you? Lewis is charged with possession of an illegal substance and attempted burglary, a felony which could send him to prison for five years. But today, he's got other things on his mind besides his legal situation. Judge, you're so gorgeous, Mr. Judge. I just have to tell you, you're gorgeous. Thank, thank you, Mr. I, I Lewis. With the entire Zoom watching, Lewis makes a not-so-subtle play for the judge. Notice the reactions from the other parties, including prosecutor Eric Linder. Judge, you're so gorgeous, Mr. Judge. I just have to tell you, you're gorgeous. Thank, thank you, Mr. I, I Lewis. Maybe Lewis's charm will help his cause. All right, Mr. Lewis, flattery will get you everywhere, but maybe not here. Or maybe not. Judge Blackman remains focused on moving forward with the case. The, the court finds probable cause on count one, burglary occupied dwelling unarmed, count two, possession of MDMA ecstasy. She then asked the state for its recommendation. I'm recommending a $7,500 bond, no victim contact, no return. Noting the allegations, Your Honor, there were three children present in the home 
that Mr. Lewis was attempting to break into. Uh, Okay, thank you, Mr. Linder. Lewis objects, but the judge moves on to the defense and then renders her decision. She sets his bond at $5,000, which is significantly better than the $7,500 requested by the prosecution. You're gorgeous. Next, we're in Charleston, West Virginia, for a pretrial hearing. Henry T. Eldon. Henry T. Eldon. Henry T. Eldon. Henry T. Eldon is in the courtroom, but he is refusing the magistrate's order to come forward to the defendant's table. I called him thrice. I have no response. Get up here in this seat right now. That's right. The judge called him thrice. Eldon is facing multiple charges, including fraudulent official proceedings and fraudulent service of indebtedness related to falsely filing claims with the court. Today, he's joined in the courtroom by a friend who's recording the proceedings on his cell phone and getting involved himself. I'm a witness, okay? Okay, what I'm saying is he is present, and he's chosen not to step up there. He's asking not for appointed lawyer. He doesn't need an attorney. So you're acting in the capacity. I'm not lawyer? acting. I'm a witness. You're this witness. is American National. American National. American National is another nod to the sovereign citizen movement that both he and the defendant identify with. Eventually, Eldon does respond to the magistrate, Ward Harshbarger, but still refuses to come forward. The court reporter has to be established before yes. anything can proceed. Well, okay, well, get up in your seat now, and we will wait for that. We have some preliminary thing. We're all waiting for the court reporter to be... Do it now. All right, this is State versus Henry T. Eldon Jr. Mr. Eldon, I need to have a seat at the defendant's table. For the record... You sit down and not say another word. Seemingly getting more aggravated, the magistrate turns to his courtroom deputy for assistance. Would you get Mr. Adam? Show you where the seat is, please. May I have permission? You may have a seat right there. Go ahead and get that. You may have a seat right there. Eldon finally gets up to the stand before the judge, but it won't be for long. You are going to be held in contempt. All right, Mr. Eldon, can you stand up for me, please? Turn around and place your hands behind your back, if you would. And who are you, and do you have a warrant, a signed warrant? I do not have a warrant. I've just been made aware by the judge that he wants me to take you into custody for constructing judicial process, okay? But before the magistrate had the defendant arrested and cuffed, he pulls a final move out of every parent's playbook and counts to three. One. Have a seat. Two. Have a seat, please. I would like to speak, and I have information to present. I don't know how I'm instructing. I, I Last warning. You won't come Get in the seat, seat and we'll proceed. Again, locked in a stalemate, the magistrate decides to just get down to business. I would like to um, see your oath of office. I'd like to see your um, letter accepting and acknowledging your office. And I would like to see the same for the uh, prosecuting attorney. 
and you know the names of everyone in this room. I need that before I understand what's going on, sir. So the answer, and I will answer for him, is not guilty. Okay. I haven't made any plea, nor should you make any plea. Right. I don't accept that. Okay. I don't accept well, anything that's happened to you today. I did not in your own position. Court him out. The court wouldn't confirm the details, but according to Eldon, he did not appear for his next court hearing and was arrested on a bench warrant and served two weeks in jail. He also says the original fraudulent service and fraudulent official proceedings charges against him were later dropped. Next, we're in Bakersfield, California, for the arraignment of Tobias Roman. The 27-year-old was charged with multiple crimes, including attempted robbery, threatening with attempt to terrorize, and exhibiting a deadly weapon for allegedly stalking a female employee at a shopping mall. Roman, stand up. Oh, Hello, sir. I can't stand up right now. Yeah. I'm right and now his initial hearing is off to a rocky start. Stand up, Roman. Once on his feet, the judge then asks a standard procedural question. Mr. Roman, what is your true and correct name? Tobias, my first name. That's it. Giggles or Tobias. That's it. Don't call me that now. Giggles may be his street name, but there's nothing funny about the crimes he's accused of committing. This time I will appoint the public defender to represent Mr. Roman. The charges, Mr. Roman, are attempted robbery. It's all it's all lies, hey, Mr. Roman, you need to be quiet. After being interrupted and then told to be quiet, Judge Charles Bremer gives the defendant a final warning. You got one more chance and then you're going to be removed from the courtroom. That'll be your choice. For a second, it appears Giggles might quiet down, but his silence is short-lived. But as he's being led out of the courtroom, Roman gets in the last word. The judge heard that comment loud and clear. I'd like to note for the record Mr. Roman's statement on the record that he will murder me if he sees me, and I'm going to request law enforcement to take the appropriate action. Tobias Roman later pled no contest to the charge of threatening a public official and was sentenced to eight months in prison. Of his original charges, all were dismissed except for threatening with intent to terrorize. He pled no contest and was sentenced to three years in prison. All right, Nelson Walker. There you are. Next, we're in Miami-Dade County, where Nelson Walker is charged with a crime where the evidence may be, as they say in the law, in plain view. All right, you're charged with stealing a dolphin jersey? Hmm. Um. Judge Ward seems a bit suspicious of the situation, and when she begins asking Walker about the dolphin's jersey he's wearing, he's got an answer. This ain't the one, young. <laughs> no? No, ma'am. Huh? It's so on that that I ain't took no jersey. I ain't took no jersey. 
Walker first insists the Dolphins jersey he's wearing is not the one he allegedly stole. This ain't the one, young. He then claims he didn't steal a jersey at all. Huh? It showed on that that I ain't took no jersey. I ain't took no jersey. The judge then turns to the public defender for his take. But he decides to raise an issue regarding an inconsistency on the police report. Public defender. As to Mr. Walker, respectfully, Your Honor, we're going to be raising a problem with causes. As to what? As to this being a felony. Because the allegations are an observation of observing the defendant and co-defendant put on a dolphin hats. The officer says A and then says hats. So there's an issue as to whether it's two hats or one hat. Walker seems on board with the public defender's approach. The officer says A and then says hats. So there's an issue as to whether it's two hats or one hat. Despite the semantics issue, the judge orders Walker, who has 29 prior felonies on his record, held on $5,000 bond. Weeks later, Miami-Dade prosecutors decline to press charges against Walker, and he's released. But the judge did order Walker to stay away from the Dolphin Stadium. Perhaps not seeing his beloved team play in person is punishment enough. Hmm. Next... We're in Berea Municipal Court. The defendant, 21-year-old Milton Watts, has turned himself in after a warrant was issued for his arrest for failure to appear on a domestic violence charge. You were supposed to be here last month. You did not appear. Why weren't you here? My mom didn't show up. Uh, somebody died in the family. There was no reason for me to be here. Well, it's not an engraved invitation, son. It's a court order. Things are clearly off to a rocky start between Watts and Judge Chris Green. But Watts seems comfortable handling the situation on his own. Your attorney withdrew, so you'll have to hire an attorney? I don't need an attorney. You're a lawyer? Nope. Unfortunately for Watts, his grasp on the legal process seems spotty at best. Do you want to talk to me about me a bond with me? What do you want to tell me? About what? Bond. Uh, don't really give a to be honest with you. <laughs> Judge Green, who's known for his no-nonsense style, doesn't seem particularly receptive to the attitude. That's going to cost you 30 days in the county jail for contempt. Cuff him if you get the cuffs. Hold on, it's $5,000 cash surety bond subject to the temporary protection order. Watts' remarks have already cost him dearly. And now, he doubles down. He just swore at the judge. Can I give you a piece of advice? What? You can either make life easy or you can make life hard. I already ruined my life. That's 60. You want to go for 90? That's 90 more. That's 180. That's 306. Now I gotta come here and my life up. you. No, and stop. How many days you wanna give me now? Are you sir counting? Yeah, I'm at about a year right now in contempt, so. Watts' mother and sister attempt to intervene, but there is no stopping the foul mouthed tyrant. I don't care. I don't give a f you. Don't stop. F everybody. F you. No, it's power. Fuck the power. No. 
Staff quickly arrive at the courtroom for backup. Melon, just let him do what he's doing. Despite the judge going all the way up to 360 days in the heat of the moment, once Watts calmed down, the judge ultimately decided to reduce the sentence to 90 days in jail, or four days per four-letter word. For the initial domestic violence charge he was originally in court for, he later pled no contest and was sentenced to five days in jail. Next, we go to a hearing in Breckenridge County, Kentucky, where the defendant is not typically the one standing before the judge. The accused is Todd Pate, the former sheriff of Breckenridge County. He's charged with assault, operating under the influence, his second offense, criminal mischief, and leaving the scene of an accident. A year earlier, while driving his personal vehicle, Pate allegedly caused a crash, injuring four people. He then left the scene. When he was arrested later that night, his blood alcohol level was nearly twice the legal limit. Pate was released on bond and later retired from the sheriff's office. Today, the 51-year-old's in court to change his plea from not guilty to guilty, a decision he's already agreed to in writing. This will allow him to serve just 75 days in jail versus a possible sentence of up to 15 years if he went to trial and was found guilty of all charges. To make it official, all he has to do is say the words to Judge Janet Crocker. At this time, is it your desire to change your plea uh, from not guilty to guilty. Do I have to answer that yes or no, or can I make somewhat of a statement that's that is I... That is a yes or no answer, sir. Will I have the opportunity to say anything further? If you, it is your intention to change your plea from not guilty to guilty, certainly you'll have an opportunity to make any statement but if it is not your intent to enter a guilty plea at this time, then I'm going to set your case for jury trial, and you're going to stop wasting my time and everybody else's time this afternoon. Ma'am, I'm not trying to waste your time. And then is it your intention to enter a guilty plea at this time or not, sir? No. Mm -hmm. Why Ch am I wasting your Mr. time, Mr. Chambers. The judge ignores the question and checks in with the prosecution. Why am I wasting your Mr. time, Mr. Chambers, what is the Commonwealth's position at this time, sir? Your Honor, we would vote to revoke the defendant's bond at this time. The judge orders a brief recess, perhaps hoping Pate's attorney can remind him he's already agreed to plead guilty. Back in court, the judge tries again. Let's get back on the record and see if we can uh, sort this out. At this point in time, what is Mr. Pate's decision with respect to his guilty pleas? So I believe I'll just let him answer that question if it pleases the court. All right. So, uh, Mr. Pate? Can I say a few things, or...? Um, uh, I, I need to understand what it is that we're I doing here like today, to report, Mr. Pate. 
Yes, I had every intention of coming in here today and entering a guilty plea. It's difficult for me to enter a guilty plea for a lot of reasons, and I don't want this court to think that I am trying to minimize any responsibility that I had in this situation that occurred. The problem is Pate doesn't agree with the assault charge and believes the prosecutor only added it because of Pate's position as sheriff and because Pate rejected an earlier plea deal. I feel like I'm being very much bullied into doing something that's not right. And I want this court to know that Todd Pate holds himself responsible for everything that he did. But it's hard for me to lay down and plead to felony charges that don't apply. By this point, the judge has heard enough. Is it your intention today to enter this guilty plea? If I could address okay, this is either a yes or no. Are you going to enter your plea or not? I guess everybody thinks it's funny. Let me just plea and get it over with for everybody. Plea to something that I absolutely do not feel good about, but I don't want you to try to send me to the penitentiary for years and years. If you can sleep with it, I can sleep with it. Pate's attorney looks frustrated, while the judge is fed up with Pate's flip-flopping. I think unusual, we're done. At this do point it. in time, I think we're done. Where I think we are today is, is that on the one hand, the Commonwealth can enforce the terms of this agreement based on the execution. Mr. Pate, I'm talking at this point in time. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At this point in time, I'm going to sustain the Commonwealth's motion to revoke his bond. He will be taken into the custody uh, and housed in the Breckenridge County Jail. Your Honor, if I may speak to Mr. Chambers' motion to revoke the bond. Um, I've already ruled. I, I've already ruled at this point in time. We, we're done at this point in time. He's going into jail today. Pate eventually pled guilty and accepted the terms of his sentence. 75 days in a county jail with credit for time served. Next, we head to the Washtenaw County Trial Court in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for a hearing. The defendant, Donald Roberts, is accused of unarmed robbery, refusing fingerprinting, assault with intent to rob, and larceny. Roberts had been representing himself in the matter, but the man standing next to him is attorney John Vella. Vella was ordered by the judge to be Roberts' standby counsel. Roberts had just finished telling the court about the poor state law library in jail telling the court that he had no need for an attorney. Assistant Washtenaw County Prosecutor Brenda Taylor responds. Your Honor, I'm asking the court to use the report dated July 25th of Dr. Smith um, for purposes of finding incompetency, and I'm asking the court to find the defendant incompetent and to um, order him to um, the Forensic Center for treatment and um, restoring of competency. I have prepared a proposed order. I don't want to reiterate the other issues that have already brought us here. If, I, if the court wants me to respond regarding the law library, I no, can't. No, I've again. already ruled on that. While his competency issue remains in question, Roberts has a question for the court. What about my discovery? Let's talk about that. Oh, let's not. Not right now. Not the answer Roberts was looking for. Oh, let's not. Not right now. 
Robert snaps and then off camera attempts to lift and knock over the lectern as a stunned Judge Swartz looks on. Roberts then charges at attorney John Vela before being quickly taken down by deputies. As the deputies move in, this woman carefully finds her way out by walking across a row of chairs to safety. The defendant is hauled away by deputies. Judge Swartz orders a competency hearing and despite Robert's obvious objections, points Vela as his representative. Roberts was eventually declared competent and pleaded no contest to larceny while the other charges were dropped. He was sentenced to one year and 10 months in jail. Next, we're in Williamsburg, Kentucky for a bond revocation hearing. The defendant walking up to the podium is 42-year-old Shannon Fox Hamblin. Today, she's in court for allegedly violating conditions of her probation. Once at the microphone, she lets Judge Paul Winchester know she's being represented by a well-known name, maybe best known for his pro bono work. And who's representing you today? I'm represented by Jesus Christ. That's right. Now, a savior he may be, but one thing he is not is a licensed member of the Kentucky State Bar. So the judge offers up the services of the public defender's office instead. All right, so I'm going to appoint Mr. Fendale. No, to represent I don't Fendale. want Mr. Fendale. I have that right, Your Honor. Right. Jesus is going to represent me. I do not want legal counsel. Okay, all right. So what do you want to say? I want to say that I have lived hard, loved hard, played hard, but I've been saved and applied the blood. I'm pardoned through Jesus Christ, okay? I have stumbled and I have failed many times and mercies rang from that bench. Not because I deserved it, but because I'm sure somebody prayed. Okay, I wanted to taste salvation and play over here too. I was riding the fence between me and you. God gave me a choice and it's life or death, I kid you not. Do I look like the person that stood before you in August? Do I? I'm humble, I'm in a walk of shame. But alas, Judge Winchester has had enough of the courtroom sermon. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, allegation is you failed to report to probation parole. Okay, sir. I have nothing in this world. All I need is an answer. No. Did you go? Okay. I went to probation. Yes, I did. But the next two times, I didn't have no right. In addition to not reporting to her probation officer as scheduled, Fox Hamblin has another violation. On December the 9th, 2016, you were given a drug test and you were positive for methamphetamine. And that was confirmed by a lab. Saved by the blood. Okay, yes or no, do you acknowledge that? I acknowledge I'm saved by the blood. Saved by the blood or exposed by the blood test? I, I don't mean, use I drugs, Your Honor. I, I do that. not use it. You've I already don't. told me that. But back on December of 2016, his paper says so, but I will not admit it. He said I could... Are you denying the allegations in this motion? Yes. Fox Hamblin's probation officer is then called on to offer testimony. Back in December, did she test positive for drug use? She did. He's not telling the whole truth, Your Honor. Okay. You expect me to? He needs to take. Right. Hey, let, me, let me tell you something. Now, you can ask him a question. Okay. Have I not been in When you called me and said... The drug test came back methamphetamine. Tell the truth, and What did I say? I did not call you. Ryan, you are a liar in the court of Winsburg. I promise you, Jesus is watching. Okay, I, let me tell you something. I have to go by what the test he says. He is lying, the, sir. 
The so test, says, test went wrong. What I'm telling you is, I have to go by what the lab says. Okay, now, it doesn't have anything to do with what he said. Between me and you. Okay. Prison is to reform me, right? To make me a good person for well, society. Is that, that and correct? to keep you from breaking the law. Okay. Well, do you believe that the blood applied by Jesus Christ can do more reform for me than uh, Pee Wee Valley? Do you believe it can happen in one day, one minute, or one hour? Well, Sir, I'm sentenced to death. I'm going to die. But as the defendant continues to argue, the judge asks the bailiff to escort her out and revokes her bond. Mr. Engel, can you take her for me, please? Motion is sustained. Thank you. Sir, I know I have the right to speak, okay? And now, you have no, the right to speak. Is, I'm going to speak, please. No, I'm going to speak to the judge. No, I'm going to speak to you right here. My life is at stake. I'll die in yeah. prison. Come on. Yeah, I have invited her. I won't go. You'll shoot me. As it becomes more apparent that she is not going quietly. Said, you stand out and have no, I won't go, sir. No, I won't Another court official enters to help remove her. No, I won't go. Let's stand up. No, no. Mr. Winchester, I won't go. No, I won't go. You understand? Don't shit me before I go. I won't go. You need to go. You don't want no, to you, okay? You understand? I won't. You see truth and you're denying it. No. Mr. Winchester, please. I want my family that have changed. No, they let me do this. I said, hey, you know the power. I'm one. As the struggle spills into the hallway, Fox Hamblin continues to resist, reportedly kicking one of the bailiffs and causing an injury to his hand. On top of having her bond revoked, Shannon Fox Hamblin was charged with contempt of court, second-degree assault, resisting arrest, and second-degree disorderly conduct. She was sentenced to eight years in a Kentucky prison. Next, we're in Denver, Colorado for a first advisement hearing. The purpose of the proceeding is for the judge to explain to the defendant why he's being held in custody and to outline upcoming legal procedures, even though the defendant has not been officially charged. Today, things are being laid out for Anthony Waller. He was taken into custody on suspicion of multiple crimes, including false imprisonment and assault on a female victim at a local motel. Judge Doris Bird then explains he'll be held in custody while the case is being investigated. The investigation for false imprisonment, assault uh, in the third degree, a, a assault as a class two felony, and a misdemeanor uh, charge uh, uh, as well in possession of drug paraphernalia. I'd like to object first, uh, you know, if I'm under investigation, I thought the investigation came first, then the rest came. Right. But before the judge can give Waller an explanation, a deputy gives him a nudge from behind. Waller, who's fully shackled in handcuffs, leg irons, and a belly chain, asked the judge for clarification. If I'm under investigation, I thought the investigation came first, then the rest Deputy Brady Lovingier then places his hand on Waller's back. 
Lovinger claimed that because the judge had brought the hearing to a close, he was directing Waller to the clerk to sign paperwork and prevent him from stalling the proceeding. But after Waller turns towards him, the deputy grabs Waller by his uniform and belly chain and slams him face first into a metal window frame. As Waller's dragged into a hallway, he tells deputies that he's injured. Anthony Waller suffered a head wound and broken teeth from the deputy's takedown, but things did not end there. After witnessing the incident firsthand, Judge Doris Byrd filed an excessive force grievance against the deputy with the Denver Department of Public Safety. The agency found there was not an imminent threat to the safety of anyone in the court when Love and Jeer used excessive force on Waller. Following the investigation, Deputy Love and Jeer was suspended for 30 days by the city of Denver. Anthony Waller would later win a $50,000 civil suit against Love and Jeer in the city. The federal jury determined his constitutional rights were violated by the excessive force used against him. As for Waller's original crime, he was found guilty of third-degree assault and sentenced to two years in county jail. We now go to Brimfield Township, Ohio, where County Judge Rebecca Doherty isn't presiding over her courtroom. She's making demands at the local police station. Do me a favor and have a seat so we can do our job. Oh, Larry I'm Lambert. not going to call anybody yet, okay? We have stuff we have to do. I'm going to tell you now to call Lieutenant Lindbert now. Have a seat. Call him Or I'm going to put you in the cell. So why is this judge so aggravated? Let's go back earlier in the night. Hello? An officer's body camera records as he approaches an SUV that's crashed off the side of a snow-covered road. Are you okay? No, I'm not. What's going on? Ma'am, you've got vomit down here in your door. 3300 deal. Have you been drinking? Yes. Okay. Do you have your ID handy? I'm Becky Doherty. I'm the judge. Your judge? To be more specific, she is the county's common police court judge, 55-year-old Rebecca Doherty. Are you kidding me? Am I, am I kidding about what? I am absolutely out of my mind with... You're intoxicated. You... I am so intoxicated. The officer's body cam continues to record as the judge is escorted into booking. Oh, my God. Take me home. Okay. Have a seat. Let me call Lindbergh. Have a seat. No. Rebecca, call. listen. This whole thing is being recorded. Do not do something you are going to regret call tomorrow. Larry Limbert. Larry Limbert is actually Major Larry Limbert of the county sheriff's office. Do no. me a favor and have a seat so we can do our job. Call Larry I'm Limbert. not going to call anybody yet. Okay, we have stuff we have to do. Will you please have a seat? You're trying to walk out the door and you're almost falling down. Can you please have a seat? I'm not falling down. Have a call seat. Call Larry Limbert. Rebecca, I will put you in one of the cells. If you okay, I'm call Larry Limbert really now. Have a seat. And that's not the judge's only request. What can I do for you? Drink. Okay. Uh, we just literally told you 
10 seconds ago that we're getting you a drink of water. He's out front right now getting you the glass. Not 10 seconds ago, I want a drink of water now. Thank you. Uh, I tried him. Go, he didn't answer. Really? Do you want the water? The water? Yeah, I do. Okay. Larry Limburg. Okay. Larry Limburg. After refusing to take a breathalyzer, Judge Doherty is charged with operating a vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. Give me my phone so I can make a phone call. Okay. Your phone is in a puddle of vomit in your car, which is I on the side it. of. Can I finish? Absolutely. Which is on the side of the road that you crashed into. Yes. The tow absolutely. company is out there trying to get it out. However, it is extremely snowy and slippery I out. They are not totally able to get the get vehicle it. out so far. So totally your phone is off the table right now. We don't have access to it. Mm -hmm. Judge Doherty receives a fine of $1,075 and 180 days in jail, which the presiding judge reduces to $375 and three days in jail. Her driver's license is suspended for a year, and she's ordered to complete a driver's intervention program. I am truly sorry and will forever regret my actions. I will do all of my power to never act in a way that would harm others ever again. Thank you, For an Idaho Falls, Idaho, for the sentencing of Brian Johnson. The 50-year-old former high school teacher pleaded guilty to felony stalking of a 26-year-old former student who he'd recently been dating. Johnson was accused of violating a protection order filed against him by following the woman in public, leaving her harassing messages and entering her home while she was gone, including an alleged incident where he urinated on her bed. Facing a possible five years in prison, Johnson can be seen visibly shaking as he addresses the court. Your Honor, I'd like to take this chance to openly apologize for my actions in this case. I take full responsibility for full remorse and regret, not because I was caught, but that I allowed my perspective and judgment to be so clouded by a number of issues that I chose to act the way I did. Johnson appears to become even more distraught when he apologizes to the victim whose name has been protected. And finally, most importantly, I deeply and sincerely apologize for all anxiety, depression, stress, fear, and any other negative emotions and financial burdens which my choices and actions did cause. I sincerely regret and feel deep sorrow and accept full responsibility for that which I have done. I hope and pray that she will be able to heal from this and not have any lingering impact to her life. I will do all of my power to never act in a way that would harm others ever again. Thank you, Your Honor. Before Judge Joel Tingey hands down a sentence, he tells the court there is much to consider when looking at Johnston's public persona versus his illicit behavior behind closed doors. This is not a case of a career criminal. This is somebody that was actually very productive in the community. Uh, role model, frankly, uh, who did a lot of good things uh, through his career. But I think what you look at for a case such as this, where you're doing a sentencing, as you look at the conduct and the damage that was left in the wake of that conduct, which is extensive, frankly, immeasurable, uh, was subjected to basically living a hellish uh, life during this time frame. You can't 
As part of the pre-sentencing report, the judge received numerous letters of support for Johnson. But he says this is a man with two very different sides. I said, this is, this is a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde case. And I get a lot of letters who really support Dr. Jekyll. But I'm sentencing Mr. Hyde. After a brief pause, Judge Tingey makes his ruling. Uh, the sentence on this will be five years, one and a half mixed, three and a half indeterminate. As a condition of his sentence, Johnson was placed in a court-operated rider rehabilitation program that can significantly decrease his sentence if he receives intensive therapy and treatment behind bars before being reevaluated by the court. Johnson was released less than a year later after completing the program and was placed on probation for an additional four years. The problem is you don't want to play by anybody's rules. You want to play by your own rules. Next, we go to Berea, Ohio for a probation hearing. The defendant's 18-year-old William Demopoulos. He's on probation for criminal damaging, unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, and obstructing official business. Things have not started off well, as Judge Chris Green is annoyed with Demopoulos for refusing to hand over his cell phone to a probation officer. Give me that phone. What's in that phone you don't want us to find? Nothing. I just didn't see no need for you guys to confiscate my phone and go through it. I mean, And you play by your rules. You don't want to play by anybody else's rules. When the judge hands the phone to a clerk, the defendant starts to retreat. Come here. Hey. Come here. Sounds like this teen is willing to give up his freedom for a phone. What did we talk about with regard to following the rules? To follow them. And they told you to give him the phone? I, I don't know why. The judge breaks it down for Demopolis. When you are on probation, your probation officer has a right to take anything they want to take of yours. If they want to search your phone, they search your phone. The problem is you don't want to play by anybody's rules. You want to play by your own rules. It's not like that, Your Honor. Getting nowhere, the defendant changes his story. It's not my cell phone. Whose cell phone is it? It's my brother's. Then why didn't you tell them that? I need him handcuffed, please. Even with deputies closing in, Demopolis doesn't seem interested in cooperating. As quickly as Demopolis hops over the table, the deputies tackle him to the floor. That's the defendant's grandfather looking on.
My problem is I can't have someone on probation if they won't listen to their probation officer. He has a problem. I know he has a problem. Man, he's kind of like a little captive. Yeah, he jumps. He's very athletic. The judge revokes the defendant's probation and he's charged with resisting arrest. He's sent to jail for 40 days. Next, we're in Scottsville, Kentucky, for the case of 42-year-old Timothy Madden. Four years earlier, Madden was arrested and charged with the rape and murder of a seven-year-old girl. Madden initially maintained his innocence, but less than two weeks before his trial was set to begin, he entered a guilty plea for the charges of kidnapping and murder. The plea was part of an agreement with the prosecution that they would not pursue the death penalty. In exchange, the victim's family would be spared the pain of going to trial. Madden also entered an Alford plea for charges of rape and sodomy, meaning he didn't admit guilt, but agreed there was enough evidence to convict him. Now, after four long years, the victim's family is finally able to address Madden before the judge hands down a sentence. But as the victim's mother starts to share her impact statement, Madden seems disinterested and turns to talk to his lawyer, an action that offends the victim's father. Sir, that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. Give us just a minute. We've had four years waiting. Clearly angry, the victim's father demands that Madden and his attorney give his family this one small courtesy after their years of suffering. You listen to him. Now you can look around all you want to. We've had four years waiting. You can let him listen to what she's got to say. Do you understand me? Do you understand Mr. me? Mr. Doolin. Mr. Doolin. I'm sick of it. Mr. We've let my man, we've had four years. He can give her three minutes to say what she needs to say. As courtroom deputies try and calm down the angry father, the judge calls for a recess. If you'll please. If you'll escort Mr. Escort Mr. Madden out. You can't give somebody three minutes to say something? We're in recess at this time. If you'll please escort Mr. Madden out. should have recessed four years ago. It appears the situation may be diffused after Madden's removed from the courtroom and the victim's father's led away. But a mother's plea reignites emotions. This is all we've asked. We haven't asked. No, no respect. That's when the victim's father sets his sights on Madden's attorney. You're an attorney. You're paid by the taxpayers. Seeing the escalating chaos in front of her, Judge Janet Cocker tries to gain control of the courtroom. Absolutely. We're off the record. Ladies and gentlemen, stop this. All of you. Now. Now. This child deserves better than this. After a 15-minute recess, the victim's mother is finally able to speak on behalf of her devastated family. Because of you, we lost our baby girl. Our boys lost their sister before she was even eight years old. You took her from us. Why did you do it? There is no reason that you could give was an innocent little girl who was at her brother's football game playing with her friends just as she had done so many times before. Timothy Madden was later sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now to the Seminole County Circuit Court in Sanford, Florida. 
It's 6.30 p.m., and a long one-day trial has come to an end. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty of driving under the influence. That defendant is 46-year-old Lisette Gonzalez. Although a verdict for Gonzalez's DUI charge has already been reached, her attorney makes a final plea to Judge Fred Schott. Your Honor, not enough evidence presented for the jury to find the verdict that they did. They didn't do all the, the, the field sobriety examinations that should have been done. During the trial, it was revealed that Gonzalez was never given a breathalyzer or had her blood drawn. Yet, arresting officer Michael Wagner recorded that she tested above the legal limit of .08 in his official report. Wagner claimed it was an honest mistake, but observed what he believed to be intoxication. I respectfully ask that this court grant the judgment notwithstanding the verdict. The attorney is asking the judge to use his power to overturn the jury's verdict and acquit the defendant. It's a move rarely seen in the courtroom. All right. This isn't a purely circumstantial case. And so I'm going to deny the motion for JOA. It looks like the case is closed, but Judge Schott has other business with Gonzalez. Now, we have this other case for driving a license suspended. Two months after her DUI arrest, Gonzalez was ticketed for driving with a suspended license. Problem is, the only reason her license was suspended was because of the inaccurate paperwork filed by Officer Wagner. I want to be enlightened. It was a mistake, admittedly, by Michael Wagner. I know. He testified to that today. He caused her to have her driver's license suspended for, for at least a few months for nothing. So are you going to null process that case, or am I going to get mad at you today? The judge is addressing prosecutor Diana Mears. Perhaps you can get mad at me, Your Honor, but at this point... Why wouldn't you... Um, wait a minute. Did you hear the uncontroverted testimony of this officer? Your Honor... Then I want you taking him up on perjury. Your Honor... Will you take him up for he perjury? Did, he admitted it was a mistake, Your Honor. No, but he lied. He lied on a sworn Absolutely citation. Absolutely not, Your Honor, and that is... That is not true. I'm dismissing. I'm dismissing. I am. I am dismissing. I am dismissing this charge. No, I'm dismissing the charge. The judge has just dismissed the defendant's upcoming case, but he's not done yet. This whole case was fishy, and I have no idea how the. You know what? You know what? I'm granting. I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm rescinding the sentence. I'm granting the JOA. Judge Schott has just reversed his decision and acquitted the defendant on the spot. So you're granting it because you don't agree with the state's decision? On I'm granting the JOA in fairness. In fairness, because yeah. you don't like the state's decision today, Your Honor, on the case? No, you're, you're not. Are now that I consider what Officer Wagner testified to and how many times he basically tripped over himself just to arrest this lady with no real probable cause, you're done. Motion JOA is granted. And you're not going to provide a written order on that? Nope. You want to appeal me? No. Thank you, Your Honor. The case should have never been done. Never. Thank you for letting us know that, Your Honor. The defendant, Lisette Gonzalez, walks out of the courtroom free of all charges. Next, we head to Atlanta, Georgia, for the sentencing of Tex McIver. The 75-year-old attorney was found guilty of felony murder in the death of his wife, Diane McIver. The defendant claimed he accidentally shot McIver while driving back from their horse farm. Diane McIver was the president of an airport service company. Prosecutors believe she was killed for her money. McIver pled not guilty, but after a trial lasting 19 days, he was convicted.
Before sentencing friends of the victim make heartfelt statements to a packed courtroom. The actions have traumatized me. I lost sleep because I so wanted to believe that it was an accident. This has been one of the saddest and most horrific incidents that's happened in my life. To have lost my friend of over 40 years that was more like a sister than a friend has broken my heart. Next, it was McIver's turn to speak, which is what he did for 15 bizarre minutes, touching on just about everything. Everything, that is, except the crime. The last week on one given day, I received 11 different pieces of mail. One is a lady from Ireland. Then there is the most unique individual I think I've ever corresponded with. His name is Trent Jones. He's a, he's a racehorse jockey in Perth, Australia. His favorite racehorse, Hobart, has been retired just this year. And then now he and Hobart are free to step into the surf in Perth and, and play. The surreal statement continues as McIver moves on to his next subject, thanking his friends in the community. Friends delivering Chick-fil-A, one of my huge, huge favorites, one of the things I miss the most, I guess. Before he was done, he hit one more subject completely unrelated to the murder, his godson's favorite basketball team. He's a huge fan of the Golden State Warriors. Instead of anything, I had to say go Warriors before the state was Finally, he gets around to discussing the relationship with his late wife of 11 years. The luckiest day of my life was when Diane chose me. And in doing so, we started a relationship that was, uh, can only be described as amazing. We loved each other like small children. We just couldn't believe it was that, that good. He goes on to explain just how deep their connection was. In fact, it became, if people were able to believe it, telepathic. And my conscience would hear these words. Is this truly real? She had telepathically communicated those words. Is this truly real? It is truly real. It is truly real. Before announcing his sentence, Judge Robert McBurney offers a reaction to MacGyver's words and peculiar choice of subject matter. I'll tell you what's, what's most telling. You had as much time as you wanted to share with me um, what you thought was important for me to hear. And we heard about racehorses in Australia and Chick-fil-A and telepathy. I didn't ever hear you say you're sorry for what you did. To me, that silence speaks volumes. All that was left was the sentence. The penalty for felony murder is life. I'm going to sentence you, count two, to a term of life with the possibility of parole. McIver was sentenced to life in prison and is eligible for parole after 30 years when he would be 105 years old. Next, we go back to 2010 for a sentencing hearing in Elko, Nevada. The state of Nevada, Michelle Lynn Taylor. 34-year-old Michelle Lynn Taylor has been charged with lewdness with a child under the age of 14, an incident in which she allegedly kissed her friend's 13-year-old son and forced him to touch her breast. 
She was ultimately found guilty, but now faces a severe mandatory sentence under Nevada state law. Your Honor, uh, the, there's only one penalty that's available for the court to award to the defendant, and that's imprisonment in the state prison for life. That's right, a sentence of life in prison. I suspect that the, the defense is going to tell you, well, this is a, this sentence is way out of line. But it was a sentence that the legislature of Nevada has created for this type of crime. Taylor will be eligible for parole after 10 years. Her attorney, Alina Kilpatrick, argues the crime doesn't fit the one-size-fits-all sentence imposed by the state. Your Honor, the jury was not allowed to know the potential sentence in this case, and the legislature doesn't know the facts. Um, when, when evaluating this case, Your Honor, you, we cannot think that this is a 10-year sentence because it's not. This is a sentence of life because the legislature doesn't know the circumstances. Those circumstances, Kilpatrick explains, include various mitigating factors that weren't allowed to be taken into consideration during the trial. The mandatory sentence of life does not allow this court the discretion to consider the fact that a forensic psychiatrist said that Michelle Taylor is at a low risk of reoffending, that she was under the influence at the time of this offense, and that she herself suffered unimaginable, egregious sexual abuse as a child. Absolutely unimaginable and egregious. To further support her argument that the punishment doesn't fit the crime, Kilpatrick lays out a graphic comparison to another case. Now, the most horrifying case of sexual abuse that I could find perpetrated by a woman came out of Florida, and that was, in fact, uh, clearly egregious. Miss um, Simmons was having a five-year-old perform sex acts on her while her boyfriend was videotaping it, and she got 70 years. 70 years, although a stiff sentence, is less than life. Growing more impassioned in her argument, Kilpatrick offers yet another disturbing example of the discrepancy in punishment when compared to another crime. The minimum penalty for first-degree murder is 50 years. She is getting a greater penalty for having a boy touch her breast than she would if she had killed him, and that is unconscionable. And for that reason, Your Honor, because the statute is unconstitutional, I am asking this court not to impose the mandatory sentence of, of life in prison because it shocks the conscience and is contrary to the Eighth Amendment and everything the Constitution and justice stands for. Thank you. Despite her attorney's plea, Michelle Taylor received the mandatory sentence of life in prison with the possibility of parole after 10 years. A later appeal of the case was denied by the Nevada Supreme Court. Taylor was released on parole in 2019 after serving the minimum 10 years. Next, we're in La Plata, Maryland for a jury selection. 25-year-old Delvon King is representing himself today on weapons charges after he was caught carrying a regulated firearm during a traffic stop. Just three months earlier, King was appearing at a preliminary hearing for the charges when he fled the courtroom and temporarily eluded police. Because of the fleeing incident, King is required to wear a remote control stun cuff on his leg while appearing in court. And now, as he reads a prepared argument, Stop! Stop! There seems to be another problem. At the bench is 72-year-old Robert Naley, 
The judge retired the previous year, but was called back part-time to hear cases. This hearing got off to a rocky start when King claimed to be a Moorish American, an offshoot of the anti-government sovereign citizen movement, and insisted his true name was not Delvon King. Now, as Judge Naley explains the jury selection process, King continues reading from his prepared argument, which questions the court's jurisdiction over him. Stop. Stop. Mr. Sheriff, do it. Use it. In case you missed that, after King refuses to stop speaking, stop, stop. Judge Naley orders the courtroom deputy to activate the stun cuff on King's leg. Mr. Sheriff, do it. Use it. The deputy calmly approaches King, who doesn't appear to see him, and slides his chair out of the way. While King writhes in pain on the courtroom floor, Judge Naley decides to exit the courtroom and take a short break. All right, I'm going to take five. Five. Following the brief recess, Judge Naley resumed the hearing, and King continued representing himself. He later agreed to probation before judgment, meaning in his case, he was sentenced to two years in jail on the weapons charge, most of which he'd already served, and in return, no actual conviction would be added to his record. The same cannot be said for Judge Robert Naley. After the courtroom video was made public, the Maryland Court of Appeals immediately rescinded Naley's ability to hear cases. Right. He would also later be charged with a misdemeanor civil rights violation, to which he pleaded guilty, and was sentenced to a year probation, ordered to take anger management classes, and pay a $5,000 fine. Following his sentence, Robert Naley was banned from the bench for life. All right, so Mr. Chavez, good morning. Next, we go to bond court in Miami-Dade County. Judge Mindy Glazer presiding. The defendant is MMA fighter John Chavez. He's been charged with aggravated assault, burglary, and eluding police. The incident occurred after Chavez learned his mother filed a protection order against him. Once in her home, he allegedly smashed a cell phone, broke her glasses, and picked up a large kitchen knife. Chavez then took off as police arrived, and a manhunt ensued, forcing several schools in the area to go on lockdown. The defendant, who stands 6'2 and weighs 220, has a violent past that includes assault and battery charges. He was eventually captured in a neighbor's backyard near his mother's home. After his arrest, he's brought before Judge Glazer to learn if he'll get bail. Sir, you were arrested for burglary to an occupied dwelling. It's from March 22nd. And you have another case, aggravated assault from March 21st. I'll appoint the public defender's office for you. Is he also out on felony bond? Yes. This is actually Chavez's second appearance before Judge Glazer in less than a week. Good afternoon, sir. 
You were arrested for Just a few days before the alleged attack on his mother, he was arrested for possession of a firearm by a felon. When the gun turned out to be a toy, the charges were dropped. But a kitchen knife is no toy, and today, Judge Glazer may not be as lenient. The public defender makes her case. As to the aggravated assault, Judge, there's no indication here that this gentleman ever threatened the alleged Never. victim in this case. Now it's up to Judge Glazer to make her decision. There is probable cause for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. They didn't charge it that way, but that's what it is. Chavez does not look happy, but Judge Glazer isn't finished. Sir, you're, you're ordered to stay away from, I guess it's your, your mother, Iris Chavez. No contact with Ms. Chavez, either directly, indirectly, in person, in writing, by telephone, or through third parties. No contact with the victim through social media or other electronic means. Chavez tries to speak up, but what he may not realize is because he's in a different location than the judge, he can only be heard when his attorney presses this button. So he keeps on trying. No mic, no problem. Chavez won't give up. As far as his charges, for aggravated assault, the judge sets bond at $7,500. As for the burglary charge, the defendant is not so lucky. I'm setting it no bond. There's probable cause for armed burglary. He had a knife in the enclosed area. Sir, I know it's upsetting right now for you. Chavez grows more incensed. Sir, I know you're upset. I'm sorry. Corrections, can you take him out? Not much seems to be happening, so the judge tries again. Corrections. Yes, they're coming, young. The charges against Chavez are ultimately dropped, and he's released. But eight months later, he's convicted on new burglary charges. And he's sentenced to seven years and ten months in a Florida prison. All right, Yanel Morales. Next, we're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, for a bond hearing. 32-year-old Yanelli Marie Morales was charged with burglary with assault or battery for breaking into the home of a woman who was allegedly having an affair with her boyfriend. The crime is punishable by up to life in prison. So the public defender, who's off camera, asks to have his office's appellate attorney present when it comes time to rule on the defendant's bond. I've contacted our appellate attorney that wants to be present and make arguments. They're only available this afternoon. I'm just respectfully asking if the court could give us that courtesy for him to be present at 1.30 and make those arguments. Judge Michael Davis is not opposed to the request. Problem is, he wants to move things along. All right. The uh, public defender's office wants to make legal argument. They've got to be prepared to make legal argument. Docket starts at 8.30. It's now a quarter to 10. All right. Miss Morales. Judge, yes. Judge, can I just have one moment, please? Sure. After consulting with his colleagues, the public defender lets the judge know the other attorney is actually on her way. How long? A few minutes. She's on her way. All right, we'll pass it. Thank you. Have a seat, ma'am. But after waiting about 20 minutes with no sign of the attorney, things start getting awkward. Public Defender's Office is about a two-minute walk away. Your colleague is not here. It's 20 minutes later. 
I'm going to call Miss Morales's case back. Yanelli Morales. All right. Good morning, Miss Morales. You're charged with a burglary with assault or battery. I'm going to find probable cause for that offense, ma'am. The state is asking that Morales be held without bond. But before continuing, the public defender again asks to have the office's appellate attorney present. Your appellate attorney asked to be here 20 minutes ago, and she is not here. Judge, but it now... It shows a blatant disrespect to this court. Judge... Oh, please, Mr. Opsom? No. It's about a two-minute walk from the public defender's office. Where is your colleague? Judge, may I have just one minute? Nope. I would like to have a supervisor present. By now, it seems the focus has shifted from the case at hand to a debate between judge and public defender. Your office is here. You are here. I've given your office the courtesy to come down here. Your colleague has apparently hung you out to dry. I'm not really sure why, but you're now making conflicting arguments. I'm not saying the court... I'm asking you to explain this inconsistency. Judge, what I'm trying to... What I'm saying to the court I need is... I answer a... that question. But when the public defender still can't answer his question, Judge Davis loses his temper. What I'm saying to the... All right, we're all done then. All right. State anything else? Ma'am, you're going to be held without bond at this time. Good luck. All right. But three days later, at her next hearing, Yanelli Marie Morales was released on a $10,000 bond and is currently awaiting trial. I'll ask my lawyer right now. Are you speaking to me? Next, we go to a hearing in Douglas County, Georgia. The defendant is 32-year-old Sahara Fakir. She's been charged with armed robbery, burglary, and murder. The victim was 66-year-old local businessman Jerry Wheeler, who was stabbed in his home while making dinner. Wheeler was the father of a Douglas County Sheriff's Office deputy who discovered the body. Fakir didn't know the victim, and there was no apparent motive for the crime. She's in court to hear charges, and from the start, doesn't seem to appreciate the magnitude of what she's facing. You're charged with the murder of Jerry Franklin Wheeler. You understand that? In the Masonic Courthouse, I understand that. I understand that this courthouse is a cursed courthouse. Yes, I understand. Okay. And if you are judging me, you are not God-fearing, I'll have to judge you. And everyone else is not God-fearing. I understand that. The judge takes the claim in stride. But as the topic shifts to legal representation, that's when things get really bizarre. Do you have a lawyer? I'll ask my lawyer right now. Are you He's speaking to me? Are you going to get a lawyer? Allah is my lawyer right now. And if you do not release me, Allah will have his vengeance on you. Like he did in 2009 when he sent that flood. It's only going to get worse. It's unclear what flood the defendant is referring to. So the judge carries on. Well, if you cannot employ a lawyer, then you can apply to the public defender's office for an appointment of one at no cost to you. I mean what I said. I'm just trying to inform you of your rights. No, I better be released from that Masonic courthouse. Unfazed by Fakir's demands and divine proclamations, the judge tries to finish up. Grand jury meet, and it will determine whether or not to proceed with this case. Do you understand that? If they disbelieve, they better not proceed. Okay. Bond will not be granted today. 
If you want such a bond, you can make application and have a hearing as to that matter. Do you understand? Why can I get a bond today? I'm not going to grant a bond today. This is Why? just an initial appearance. Why? Because it's going to have to have a hearing to have the bond. Anything else? Perhaps out of frustration, Fakir moves on from the judge and begins criticizing a local news station covering the hearing. Fox 5 early that the Illuminati Reptilian News Channel. Really? And they're a member of the public. They can come to the courthouse like they're everybody. They're a disbelieving public. Thank you, Your Honor. Okay. Fakir's case eventually goes to trial. She's found guilty murder, armed robbery, and burglary. She's currently in a state prison, serving a life sentence with no chance of parole. Thanks for being a fan of CourtCam. Subscribe to A&E to never miss a new video and catch full episodes on AETV.com.